What up, y'all? My name is Open Mike Eagle. This is What It Happened Was. Season 4, Episode 11. Things Fall Apart, Part 2. We are into the album now. Starting with the intro of the album, Table of Contents, we start to get insight into the creation of the songs on the album. Some of them, be warned, this is another cliffhanger episode. So we're going to do a Part 3 things fall apart in the next episode be warned but in this episode we get stories behind you got me adrenaline step into the realm dynamite the next movement the spark and more you even get uh stuff about folks outside of the roots media bubble like d'angelo and erica badu we only got a couple of episodes left after this can you believe it? Well, you better believe it, because it's the truth. Like a great man once said, I teach the truth to the youth. I say, hey, youth, here's the truth. Better start counting down episodes. I'm not on tour no more, so you ain't got to worry about um, hearing that spiel. But you can support the pod by reviewing it and giving it a 10,000 star rating on your preferred consumption platform. This is part of the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network, the home for hip-hop podcasts you can actually listen to, including the Dad by Rap Pod, Creativity and Captivity, Super Duty Tough Work with Blueprint and Illogic, and more. With that, let's go. Season 4, Episode 11, Things Fall Apart, Part 2. Do the podcast. Philadelphia Half Life. Pick up a flashlight, thick as a mag light on the last album, ripping the bagpipes. And this is the half life, the grind like the lip of a half pipe, and sharp like the tip of stalactites. They wasn't clones though, they punching your nose bone. The roots roll tight like it's turbo and ozone. No toast price like them all on the roads though. Blind the devil with the bold black and gold shine. Travel through the you not verse with the calm sense. The bomb shit give us five stars for the content. Push up. Delighted to contend with the darkness This is what it happened was Open Mike Eagle and Quest Love For the Illadelph half stories This is the plug to have the roots Got it all out the mud One, two This is your host, Open Mike Eagle Season 4, what it happened was This is part 3 Illadelph Half-Life We keep changing the theme It's like the anime Something dramatic happens We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, 
and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. So when I get in the studio, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to be derivative of what Dill has taught me. I don't want to be derivative of like, because to me, still drumming wise, my North Star is how sloppy Dream and Eyes of Mine sounds by D'Angelo. And that just dirty ass kick drum, open kick drum, like sounds like a four year old's playing. Like, I'm trying not to be too derivative. So I thought about what Rich said. He's like, yo, we, everything you learned in the last 10 years, you got to synthesize it. it, refine it. Right. So I'm thinking about, okay. Let me go back to the first two years when Tariq and I first met, 87 to like 89, when we're discovering Three Feet High and Rising and De La Soul is Dead and, and you know, just like hip hop in general, where we're playing songs over the phone and all that stuff. And so there's, there's a, I used to work at Sam Goody's uh, Music Land outlet, a record store after school. And there was a compilation called First Priority Basement Flavor. Uh, Milk D and MC Light's dad, uh, Nat Robinson owned this uh, label and they put out a compilation. There's like four bangers on there. The original Survival, Survival of the Fittest by MC Light. Never does one know the force that is in them till some push jumps up and offends them. Then I have to subtract, minus and eliminate those that try to front. Positive K's uh, uh, Impulsive 123 with, with MC Bashar. Positive, somewhat of a speaker. To say that I've gotten this way because of me just dropping down. Pronouns, adverbs, predicates on the microphone. I have microphone etiquette. Intricated, well pronunciated. Every word heard is appreciated. I'm written as hit no again. So the Alliance was another group on first priority. It's like Audio 2, MC Light, and the Alliance. Uh, King of Chill, I believe is DJ Premier's engineer right now. But back then, he was like producer, member of the Alliance. And there was a song that was just like, it was the weirdest song I ever heard in my life because like, it was 100% feeling, but it was like not a traditional, it wouldn't be a song where I'm like, yo, we got to rhyme over this shit. But you know that, you know, like songs that you hate that you, you later become obsessed with? Yeah. Or songs that are really, really unorthodox just like stick to you yeah your skill introduce your group we are the alliance like that drum beat yeah. is such a weird drum beat and like and that 808 is just punching through like crazy music by the force that is truly commanded hip hop the top is where we aim you know the voice for your what's the name say swift for the musical fitness and be a witness to so, swiftness skill the man to kill we were obsessed with kibbles and bits the bill of priority the 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 the
God. Controlling. The passion is made, but not stolen. Listen to the bass, man. Go get the same groove every So, just as a tester, um, I was there by myself. So I was just like, let me take it back to our childhood. Oh, man, I totally hear that now. Back to 5212 Osage Avenue. was just me and Tariq in my bedroom yeah. trying to mess with that Casio SK-1. And so, then you was on Osage, like Move Family Street, eight blocks away. Get the fuck out of here! I got dumped by my girlfriend on May thirteenth, nineteen eighty five. Literally, like, uh, and looked up, and literally, like, you saw the them bombing the house. Yes, like we were wow. on Osage Avenue. I just been advised that we have new videotape of uh, the episode that apparently ended. We think ended the uh, move situation tonight. The dropping of an incendiary device. And let's take a careful look at this. 5.27 p.m. State police helicopter drops it. There is the explosion. As you can see, a very dramatic explosion that occurs 30 seconds and really rips into the move compound. There you see the bunker, which soon will go up in flames. And that was the explosion close up. Now, if there's anybody there standing there, it's obvious they couldn't survive that explosion. So, basically, I just wanted to do an experiment. I didn't think Tariq was going to like it, you know, because I'm still, like, triggered from... The last album experience, yeah. Right. So, a trick that a producer named Anthony Tidd, he's, like, one of the cats, one of the musician cats that we met uh, in London, and he's still with us to this day. Like, he, he came from London with us when we came back home. So, he taught me a trick that uh, Tariq has such a, a melodic delivery that whenever he Anthony Titt used to go back and do on keyboard like we would do like these obscure like jazz records imports like Steve Williamson Galliano like all of these like acid jazz remixes or whatever and that's the trick that Anthony Tid taught me like Shadow when Tariq does something uh, melodically dope, like shadow him. Yeah. So, so like in the, on the keys or something like do a do a riff. Right. So it was me warming up, but Tariq's like, I got something, and I was like, Oh, okay. So the the words are flowing and. This is very unorthodox. So I actually felt safe to come outside. Like it wasn't a thing where it's like, I got to present the most bangingest thing of all time or whatever. So um, I'll say that we started with, with table content, um, which I instantly knew I wanted to be the, the album intro. And then, as I told you earlier, like, my ratio to Things Fall Apart was more closer to, like, 65-35. So, by this point, and yes, as with every Roots record, 300 to 500 songs are being created. Here's something I forgot to uh, add in the last episode. So, to give you an example, 
the original Respond React was like a beat so dirty that like this was actually the first song recorded for Illadelph Half-Life. Who was the producer on this one? The original beat maker? Kilo. Kilo, okay. So this was the original Respond React. Like you hear some elements that went on, but this is completely different. Right. Wait, one second. So even though I like the dirty texture of this, I was still like fighting for the do you want more tug of war thing. So at the last minute, I forgot I, f- I forgot to mention that. Yes, even though the hypnotic was the, the last song, a day before mastering, I was like, nah, we ain't opening a record with this. So then I ran back to Sigma Studio and I put the thing up and I did this on my own accord. Uh, there was a, a a heart player. It wasn't Deidre Murray. I forget what her name was, but a heart player in the Philadelphia Orchestra that happened to be in the building. And we just told, I told her, do a whole bunch of arpeggios. Just go, you know, arpeggios, whatever. And I just grabbed like 13 seconds of it and put it inside the SP. And so I wound up redoing Respond React on my own. And it was good enough for them to be like, oh, this is actually better. Kilo was salty. Of course. You know, I mean, he still got paid, but. You know, I I was like, nope, I'm getting the first word on every Roots record, so get out of here. It. I love it. But the dustiness of that opening, I appreciated and figured, okay, next album, I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up with something dusty sounding. Are you st- are y'all still working with Kilo and Chaos and for things fall apart? Production? So Kilo is now morphed and still is one of the best uh, live sound men ever. I will say that my manager Richard Nichols, in addition to being a conceptualizer and a manager was really just like he was he was the fifth beetle he was billy preston and he was we learned in in brighton england at a roy air show that loud sound is how we're going to win the audience not to mention also touring with the beastie boys We always go to soundboard and see what they're doing. And, oh, they're doing echoes and all the psychedelic shit. You know, most rap shows are just like, Soundman, turn my shit up. Right. <laughs> you know, Soundman is just trying to come home unscathed yeah, yeah. from the night, from the wrath of whatever rapper. Like, Soundman, turn my shit up. 
So they didn't even come to sound check, probably. Right, exactly. Yeah. And if it ain't loud enough, tell the sound man to turn that shit up. So Kilo's now traveling on the road with us as our sound guy. And so, you know, I'm looking at him less as competition, more like he's now teaching me. So during this Philadelphia Half-Life tour, I, I'm now the ma- I'm mastering making beats and all that stuff. So the guys are there, but we also are now four years into it. So we now have a complete understanding of what works for us live and our sound wise. So it's not just like four dudes fighting like hell to get their beat to get on their an beat album. placed, right? Yeah. So we all know that sonically what we got to go for. So. It's enough to at least make me drop my guard and go do the lion's share of my work with D'Angelo and not have to worry about me coming home to an album that I don't know. So as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm kind of touching on it, but you know, with Malik's state of mind, with his with his dependency and all those things, it's it's subsequently getting worse and worse year by year. So it's you know, in Philadelphia, it's like the whole syrup culture, like right now, I didn't even know that we're the the third highest op- opioids leader in the nation. But, you know, back in 97, 98, 99, like, you know, Jefferson Street, J Street, pancakes and syrup, like, you know, I, I didn't know there was a culture where it's like, oh, they're not doing the drugs that I see in these 80s. It's not like cocaine and heroin. It's like they're doing prescription cough syrup and like that's how they're doing this shit and so you know typical malik is you know he would disappear for like a month or two and then just randomly show up at the studio like 1 a.m and it's usually when we've wrapped for the night and maybe the assistant engineer is about to wipe up and malik's like put something up and it's sort of like you know the assistant engineers and like doesn't have the heart to be like, yo, we're wrapped for the night and we've already been up for 16 hours. I got to go home. So, you know, he he's just putting up anything. So now this starts the stage where Malik will just randomly start picking roulette style reels. You know what I mean? So he actually grabs, there was a, a voodoo song that I really, really, really dug. In my mind, I thought that this was going to open up voodoo. D'Angelo and I actually, like, our first joint together was a, a song on the Men in Black soundtrack. We did a, a remix of the, the Nautic with Erica. This beautiful blend, I knew it through a mutual friend. She was a work of art, part of my heart from back then. A brown-skinned singer with a knack for acting. Alana's whole attraction, just fractionally based on surface. I got into her mental law and purpose. And with alertness as I flirt with her emotion. So we're recording that at the Hit Factory in New York City. And we were trying to inch towards Prince's The Ballad of Dorothy Parker without getting nabbed for publishing. Like, I mean, it was a cool album cut, but it didn't wind up being the the moment. You talking about the hypnotic or the nautic? The nautic. Okay. The, the Men in Black version. And so um, we're going to just straight up do the Ballad of Dorothy Parker, but we knew that Prince is on his shit with publishing. 
so we kind of remixed it. And so, but I still wanted to do a, a joint that was like a, a rim shot thing. And that's another thing. I didn't realize that 98% of voodoo was going to be rim shot. I don't need to tell you that you know how, but babe, you do. Oh, and a lot of things. Oh. You can't disguise yeah. your emotion. Hey, you know that I see. So in my mind, I was just like, well. Let me fish for a good rimshot song for D'Angelo to open up his record with. So we we came with a song that was dope, but then we had another uh, presentation or another opportunity with Space Jams. And here comes Player Player. So, Player Player was initially for Space Jams. If you're wondering, like, the whole basketball references, like, uh, my game is tight. He was literally writing it for a basketball movie. Right. But it was so dope. It was like, uh uh-uh, I'm keeping this shit for myself. So once he kept that for himself, he was like, this is going to be our opener. And I was like, well, wait, what about this other dope shit we did? And he's like, no, I don't want it. I was like, can I have it? He said, I don't care. So I took that reel to Philadelphia, not knowing what to do with it. And that reel, that song was initially, uh, that song was The Spark, which was Malik's um, solo joint. So the thing is, is that the initial version of that song Mm -hmm. was also based on a Prince composition, The Stick, by the time. And it was mind-blowing. It was like mind-blowing funk, man. I was trying to force it through, but my manager was like, nope, after the the, the Q-tip eye towel situation uh, with, the, with the Japanese artist, like, cutting us a break. It's like, next time we won't be that lucky. We're clearing everything. And back then, it was just like Prince was a kind of a, a, a red light. Mm-hmm. So so even though Malik had already rhymed on 
which again, I'm like, why are you rhyming on stuff? Like this wasn't meant for you, but he did it already. So it's like, I guess it's on the record and I'll fix the music later. Um, I'll say that the spark was, even though that's what Malik first chose, I didn't get to change in the music until like the end of the record. So um, Malik also wound up choosing one of the songs that was intended for Erica Badu for his version of uh, Table Contents, which if I'm really, really honest, I'm extremely, extremely, uh, I was extremely careful to make sure that even though I was going to be influenced by Dilla, to not sound too much like him. Like, I didn't want to be the recipient of, like, shark niggas with, <laughs> <laughs> on no album. Like, that sort of thing. Like, uh, the, niggas trying ghost... to bite off Nas's album. Right, yeah. exactly. So I didn't want that. Niggas bit off a of Nas shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so in my mind, when I did this beat... In my mind, I was just trying to figure out how he got that that bass tone on his thing. You got to practice before you master something. And so I just did it knowing that this is going to be one of the 500 songs that won't make it. So he picks that one. So the thing is, is that the drums are also very slum-like. And I was like, nah, man. I, you don't want to be burn called a bridge. to the carpet on that one. Right. So I went and got my trusty Primo snare. It was like, let me do a deep snare thing so mm. I can sort of hide the stitch <laughs> of, you know, getting ghost-faced at my album, you know, that sort of thing. I don't want niggas sound like me on no album, you know what I'm saying? For real, because I'm, I'm approaching niggas, man, for real, man. I don't want nobody sound like me, man, for real, son. You know, I, I had to keep it. There there was a third part of Table of Contents, Table of Contents that I had to take off for time because, again... CDs can only hold 70? 79 minutes 79. worth of music. Now, had we just picked one tangible album to release, remember that we did this, this special five album cover thing? Yep. And because we had to use five different factories, only oh, one get them factory. All done at once. Okay. Only one factory could give you seventy nine minutes worth of of music. Everyone else was just seventy two minutes worth of music. Thus, we had to drop like nine minutes worth of music off the record. So this after uh, Malik's uh, uh, "Gun for Hire" for Hire that goes right into the next movement. There was going to be a third table contents, which you know would have been this which i'm kind of glad this didn't make it because again very derivative would somebody have been rapping on this too so we actually wound up we actually wound up using it um i believe table of contents um made it to we released an ep i think called the the legendary which I believe had had that version, like Tariq's vocals on it. So that was that. The next movement, I believe. Uh, was was the second quarter song. We did that at 
Battery Studios in New York. However, I didn't like recording at Battery as much. So the difference between, and the reason why I have to go through this setup, is the the difference between tracking uh, at Sigma Sound, where I know the sound well, for tracking at least, and tracking at Battery, um, was kind of the... Okay, so you'll see the difference. So this is tracking the next movement at Battery Studio. Okay. Yeah, something. Not quite the same. Right. It's not quite poppy. Is it? Is it because of the, the, is it like the drum rooms or something? Like, Yeah, it's just, you know, the mics and everything, like, at least at Sigma, because they have so much history there, I can play a record and be like, this is how I want my drums to sound. They instantly know this compression, uh, this ribbon warrior microphone. Got you. And let me take this out the kick or whatever. So thus, very, very subtle yeah. drum difference, but you can tell the difference between the it's rooms. cleaner and tighter. Right. And so, you know, we knocked off that there. Um, you know, Kilo had a piano idea for uh, uh, Step Into the Realm. Step Into the Realm, you bound to get caught from this worldly I didn't know where to play Step Into the Realm. And so I think in the final mix, it's like, it, this needs something. Like, I don't want this to be the second song. Even though Step Into the Realm was technically the fourth song, when I built Roots Records, the first song to me is like the preview. When you say first song, you mean first in the sequence or the first song that y'all make? No, in the sequence. Okay. So for me, the Things Fall Apart intro, the whole Mel Mo Better yeah. Blues thing, that's sort of like a preview. And you are all... But we don't even come to see our own, man. Listen, right, listen. listen. I said, you know what, if we had to, if we had to bend the bomb black people to eat, we would starve to death. Everybody, I mean, you've been out there. You're on the bandstand. You look out into the audience. What do you see? And then I considered table contents also kind of like a preview. And then the movie starts at the next movie. And yes, y'all, you are now in tune to the sounds of the legendary foundation. In my mind, you know, it's like you, you got to make some previews. Yeah, and then trailers. warm up and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Open trailers right then, you make trailers yeah. first and then you start to move and so in my mind i was like ah it steps in the realm is cool but i need something and i thought at the last minute when we were mixing i said yo i want to do a bunch of false fades and make people oh think that, yes 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 right yes approach me with caution because i spark losses and i'm ill attend to rap parson marching leaving niggas stiff like i'm starching that was the last minute 11th hour decision like you know the, the song was traditionally already recorded and then right before we finalized the mix i said let me try something put all the music except for their voices on one thing and i'm gonna do these false fades and then that sort of like it woke it up a little bit yeah and gave it its own personality and then live it's crazy when y'all do that. Right. Approach me with caution. I spoke losses. Emilitant, the rap horse, marching. Leave a nigga stiff like starching. The morning, Hollywood, Sam, the jokes is right on it. Self-proclaimed names calling themselves Lord. Or shall be floored when the claps are floored. 
It disappoint a life when I can't afford I have to get shy-stick, dealing fraud Now back to the topic of the rock philosopher With more drama than a soap opera Every challenger about the silencer, muzzle in your mouth for them days that's on a I will say that also one of the earliest songs done was Dynamite. So this starts with a Dilla beat, right? That's on a track, and yeah. y'all remake it. Okay, so the deal is that the original Dynamite is... Very different drum. Yeah, extremely different. Now, here's the thing. How do you micromanage? It's one thing to micromanage your your third album, which you're trying to fight for space on that thing. Mm -hmm. But then it's like... This guy's clearly my idol within the first month of meeting him. Mm -hmm. And he's very, very, very particular and careful. Like, you can't fan worship in front of him. So it's almost like I had to approach this, like, Sonny the the cuckoo of Cocoa Pebbles (laughs) commercial. Like, hide my enthusiasm. Right. Like, "Mm, I have serious... Oh, my God! (laughs) Like, it's... You know, no, because even like in the early days of OK Player, when I'm writing these like 42 billion like long paragraphs of how much of a genius he is, like hashtag awkward. You know what I mean? Like you got to be careful to not get kicked out the club. Like I know this guy's the future. I know this guy is God. I know he is. I know he's Ellington and Hendrix, and Frank Zappa, Hmm. and Miles Davis. I know he is that. He doesn't know he's that. And I I think if I remind him he is that, I might get kicked out. So I just got to just silently like, holy fucking shit, everything this guy does is like gold. So now it's like we have this beat for Dynamite. And... I'm like, well, will this stand out like a sore thumb? Like, okay, now we take a commercial break for a regular rap song or whatever. So and, the original intention was to use it kind of as submitted? And well, just... we didn't know what the intention was. The intention was, like, we we just going to get Adila. Right. Back then, anything, it was yeah. like, oh, my God, this mind-blowing shit. And then it was like, this is also kind of normal. Like, I, you know, because he's, he's, Feeding me like fall in love and yeah, come on all this stuff like come on man we're we're getting daily tapes fall, of fall like, in love is why I'm pretty sure that's why them girls stole that album exactly so fall in love yeah one two one two So it's like, you know, I was like, all right, it's rather normal. It's jazz guitar. I guess it could fit on the record. And am I going to, is my ego about to ruin a Dilla beat because I want to tempt these drums and whatnot? 
But I don't know. It was itching. I was like, can I mess these drums? So I'll say that Dynamite. Dynamite was probably the longest that I've I've taken hmm. to master something so goddamn simple. Because <laughs> it's not like it's dynamite asterisk. Ladies and gentlemen, the amount of painstaking, like blood, sweat, and tears that I had to reach for perfection for these normal ass drums, like take after take after take yeah. after take and mic after mic after mic after mic. And you know, I mean hours. I'm talking about like i probably spent at least 300 hours what i mean like Shit. five to seven hours a day until it's perfect we finally at the fourth month of just like it's not sounding quite and the thing is is that if i don't match him the guys are like yo we're going with him mm -hmm. like leave his shit alone so the panic's on and i swear to god joe tarsia the owner of Sigma Studios, the man who basically architects the sound of Philadelphia, Gamble and Huff's engineer. Okay. He's mainly upstairs in the office. Really haven't seen him that much for, you know, he has stories about, yeah, your dad used to record here and da-da-da-da, you know. But for the most part, we never, like, talk shop or that sort of thing. And he just happened to come uh, in the studio and, you know, my uh, engineer, David Ivory, was ba basically saying, like, we're we're trying to figure this out we can't figure out the right frequencies to match this and he's like all right play the original here is it he's like oh i got it and i was like huh and he goes up comes back he's like you know what this is and i was like what is this he's like this is earl's blanket mm. and i was like well part of me sort of like trying to pretend uh I know who Earl is or whatever. <laughs> and it's Earl Young. Basically, if we're looking for a paradigm shift for where we can say disco culture started, most historians will say the first time that we heard the Boots and Cats beat. Boots, cats, boots, cats, yes. boots, cats. The four on the floor. Yes. Is on The Love I Lost by Harold Melvin the Blue Notes. So Earl Young is the sound of MFSB, hmm. whatever, Teddy Pendergrass, the OJs, what, When Will I See You Again, all those Philly International hits. That's Earl Young. Nine times out of ten, it's Earl Young on drums. And he's telling me, he's like, this is Earl's blanket. I'm going to teach you how to get that dead drum sound. And I was like, okay. And he goes to my drum set, and he takes the blanket, and I'm thinking he's like going to put it in the kick drum or, yeah. you know. Or maybe put it on the wall to stop a sound. And he's like, he puts it over the drum set. He's like, all right, play it now. I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, just play it. I said, wait, I'm supposed to hit the drum on top of the blankets like this? Said, yeah, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, this old guy, this sounds whack. Like, <laughs> but dude, instantly, we couldn't tell the difference. The guys couldn't tell the difference. I was like, which one is better? And they're like, that one's better. I was like, you dumb motherfuckers. Those, <laughs> those are my drums. So, so um, there's that. So 
here's here's the thing. Now I, I told you with Philadelphia Half Life that it's it's an amazing accomplishment that we made such a cohesive record, especially when I spent more time trying to sabotage that record than I did serving the song. So I will say that the theme, the takeaway theme from this album is it's so amazing that we made such a cohesive record when it was probably our most fragmented process of making it. So let's go back to Malik's situation. There is a moment where, you know, again, Malik's not a lion's share of our money is made on the road. And he doesn't come on the road. And he's not coming on the road. But it's also like we got to keep him alive. We decided collectively to still keep him on payroll. Keep just so that, you know, if you're broke yeah. and in this, in you this make, state you of make bad decisions. Of yeah. depra- right. That's yeah. when now we gotta get a lawyer and you know, and all that stuff. So it's just like, all right, we'll we'll keep him alive and we'll just have him rhyme, you know. In, on album is is rich able to like reach him when needed like i know he disappears malik just always knows when to show up okay it's just always like that he's always reachable like we have pagers and right by this point the cell phone's a thing mm-hmm. where we all got to have one um but there's this one moment where i was working on a remix uh a cat named ronnie size yeah yeah calm it down new sound you should be thankful uh uh just wins the mercury prize uh which is like a big deal it's almost like me winning an oscar like mm. someone from drum and bass wins the album of the year over in you know britain and so I'm doing a Giles Peterson, who had a hand in discovering us, asked me to do a remix for Ronnie Size, and I did it. And, um, you know, remixes are also like good side money. I'm not quite in DJ zone yet where I can make a quickie, blah, 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 $1,000 DJing for an hour and a half. So, you know, doing a remix is give me a nice piece of change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Malik just... It was one of the days where Malik was having a dark cloud thing. I don't know what happened, but he sort of just stormed off. And I guess that was his expression of like, you know, I need more money. Or, like he stormed out of the session for the remix? Or? He wasn't part of the session. Okay. Like he just came in like, what y'all working on? I was like, I'm doing a remix. And I guess to him, like me saying remix, I might as well say, hey, I'm just earning uh, $25,000 here. Right. Like <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. And when you have a dependency, you're just hustling for more money and more money. And so he like stormed out of there, which I thought was kind of weird. Okay, whatever. Um, and then maybe like a day or two later, we're starting to get those, you know, re- yo, what's up with your peep? Like that sort of thing. Like I saw da 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 on South Street and he's talking to himself and it's getting bad. And this is during the things fall apart. Yeah. Okay. And so what winds up happening is. Uh, we're working late, like 2 a.m. I'm taking a nap on the couch out in the reception area. And I wake up to some commotion. I guess Malik just like comes to the studio and just randomly sucker punches uh, the assistant engineer. Whoa. You know, this is an intern guy, poor kid, like kid from high school, literally didn't say anything. And Malik just like punched him and he's like holding his face all bloody and whatever. And 
you know, Joe Tarsia rightfully was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't have this. I got to kick you guys out. Now, I'm in a pickle because it's like, yo, my, my trademark sound, we just got perfection with the sound here. And so we had to take a week out just to assess what it is, to Figure find a new out. home. Yeah. Now, just so happens that one of the members of MSB, the lead cellist, Larry Gold, has uh, just opened a studio, courtesy uh, recommended by Fatine of Kindred in uh, Northern Liberties, Philadelphia. And he's like, well, Larry Gold has a studio there, so you know maybe I can introduce you guys or whatever. So uh, Rich talks to Larry Gold, and that place actually winds up becoming our home base for the next, like, 20 years uh we get studio space there and so for the most part they're going to record their vocals over there i do not want to lose my sound and joe tarsia knows me i'm lee andrews kid so the mia culpa kind of olive branch thing was like you know we made it right and i said look i know that you feel some sort of way about like hanger-ons in the studio and all that stuff whatever but look if you know, everyone goes to Larry Golds to record their vocals. Can we at least track the music here where it's, you know, where I feel comfortable and da 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 And he thought about it. It's like, you're cool, Amir. Yeah, but Malik can never come back to the studio. And I was fine with that. But here's the problem, though. So now we are tracking music without feedback. Do y'all feel this? Do y'all not feel this? But it also gives me more space to not feel the pressure of, like, Cross every T and dot every I. Pleasing the MCs. Right. So I'm just doing what I feel. So the reason why this really feels like, I feel like this is like my record, it, musically at least, is because. You ended up making it in your own space. Yeah, mostly. making my yeah. own space, my own time, my own, th you know. And, and James Poyser, who also has space in the spot, is like coming by to visit. And, you know, we're working on Erica's stuff together and doing other stuff together. And, and suddenly... There's there's a dysfunctional synergy. So this is where it becomes problematic. So now let's cut to maybe three months later. So now, you know, we have a system, airtight system. Sunday nights, we do these jam sessions at Wetlands. Friday nights, we do the jam sessions formally at my house. And now we move that to Tuesday nights at the five spot. So music-wise, like everybody's coming back to the fold. Like Scott Storch. Scott is coming back, back in the fold. To the and fold. He's, he's a big star at that point, right? Well, on his this own, is, in his own this right? is the or? moment that's about to catapult Got him you. into okay. stardom. So, you know, when it comes to jam session time, it's like, okay, I got I got stuff for y'all. Like, here, here's some stuff. And so those jam sessions from Wetlands and from uh, the, the Tuesday Night Five spot, they will start resulting in, yo, remember that? Or like, Yo, remember exactly at 1016, that part that Scott played, and we'll go back to the dats that we recorded from the jam sessions and listen to it. And now we're going to start recording these things. So this is how stuff is quickly elevating. A good example is Adrenaline. That was like a jam session staple. They used to talk shit, but I'm a quiet them. Kicking the door with my boys to deride them. First nigga that flinch, I'm a fire room. Take him up, grip his hands, and ply them. Know the bricks is in here, where you hiding them? Don't die in the shit that you lying in. I used to get front of bricks, now I'm buying them. Used to cop off my man, and I'm supplying him. Play the front row seat, watching Iverson. First class aircraft when I'm flying in to LA. 
Shaq, Eddie, Kobe, Bryant, and them. Say the Joseph, Chris, Tucker, Richard, Bryant, and them. Used to shotgun the cars, now I'm driving them. Used to hustle around bars, y'all was robbing them. Ran up in y'all spot with robbing them. Grew up too far with buying them. But do my dirt 21st with Kyle and them. Nigga pop, nigga buzz, little Mark and them. Brother News, nigga Scoop, Molly Park and them. Nigga jump, pull a park, low spark and them. I know shit right now, getting dark to them. Tore they body all up, ain't no talk in them. I'm too sharp for them, move out in the dark for them. These in the down foul streets when I'm stomping them. Once I remember, like, telling Richard, like, yo, Malik's boy, we got to make sure that he does that and them rhyme. And them. He used to, so he used to and come to the, to the jams and uh, the version the of Beanie Sequel's verse. The version of Beanie Sequel's verse on Things Fall Apart is the edited, amended, equal 24, 32 bar version. Nah, he had like damn near a 15 minute. It, it was like watching a thing of beauty, man. Wow. Just like, how the hell did you do a narrative rhyming and them? And them, yeah. But like, just like the amount of text that you, the the volume, the sheer volume of what you're memorizing, it's a point where you just stop playing. We're just, yo, he's really going to go on for like 10 minutes. Uh, uh, no, 15 it's a 20-minute run? What the fuck? <laughs> and it was instantly like, yo, that boy, get him on the record. And so initially, Beanie was third on Adrenaline. And, you know, I think the general rule is like, you got to go last on your own record. But, you know, I instantly knew that, you know you three might have to figure out the pole position. You know what I mean? Like, I believe initially, like, Tariq was going to end Adrenaline, but uh, after that, I don't want to hear nothing else after being a sequel. <laughs> and then... Is Dice on there too? Right. So yeah. here's the thing. The original version of Adrenaline was, we had to figure out the position. Tariq went first. Malik went second. Beanie went third. And Dice went last. Because I think for a second it was going to be like, we might have to drop Dice's verse and just let it be those three. You know? Because the thing was, it's like, even with Dice's role in the album, each subsequent project, like, wait, is he about to be the Capadonna to, you know, go Ghost and Ray? Like, nah, just let's, let's just do one song, maybe two. But, like, not every song, like, now nah, all of a sudden, you're, it's nothing against Dice, whatever, but it's like, I wanted Tariq to be the focus, which is weird because this is probably for anyone like that gets on the internet. It's like, yo, I wish that, uh, you know, Tariq and Malik would, uh, you know, Tariq would just do a regular hip hop record, that, that sort of thing. I'm like, dude, like if you think things fall apart, it's our best record. Tariq only has like nine verses. Like it's literally, he's every song has a feature from someone else. It just feels like a cohesive record. But what wound up happening, I think at the very last minute in mastering, I decided to switch Dice and Beans and let Beans close it. So in mastering, I, I fixed that because 
it was just after being it's like you don't want to hear anything else after that. So let him close it. I think because he's from my from a listener standpoint, especially because Beanie already was starting to get known on the Def Jam side of things with Jay and all of that. So he felt like a visitor from another world anyway. Right. And it felt like, yeah, you let the visitor. Well, we wanted you know the, we wanted to claim him. Ah. And we had some skin in the game, but little did I know that the moment he did that and them rhyme at the jam session, yeah. that Air Smooth and those guys literally took him to sign him to, yeah, to, this, to yeah. Rockefeller. Right. And he came back the next week as a signee to Rockefeller. It was like, oh man, we lost him. Shit. You know, that sort of thing. So that's pretty much the system that we had. So here's the thing now. Five months into it now it's time to mix but you're not done recording yet we're never done recording okay so it's like i'm tracking at sigma they're doing vocals at the studio is, is this pro tools time there's some pro tools some but reels. i prefer i prefer music wise to do the the reels so i'm tracking at sigma music they're doing vocals at the studio which is like eight blocks away and now i gotta do we gotta do double duty because then me and rich will take a train or drive up to New York to either Battery Studio for Bob Power or to Hit Factory with Axel Nias to mix. And what winds up happening is a little visit, uh, sort of a, a revisitation of how it was with Things Fall Apart, like when I'm first hearing Distortion Static for the first time. So now I'm mixing stuff. <laughs> and... I'm hearing the song for the first time. You're hearing the vocals on the song. And are, are they, I guess you'll tell me what you're hearing is different. Yeah, yeah, for the first time. So here's the thing. It's like, all right, so I thought the purpose of the jam sessions was to get musical inspiration, but not necessarily have to carry on the backs like a whole bunch of unknown MCs and unknown singers and whatever. So let's skip to You Got Me. I get to the second verse and I'm like, whoa who's this rhyming and rich just started new like it's the journey So E was an around the way Philly joint um, that used to dance at some club that like chaos had brought into the fold and whatnot. And I'm getting a little pissed because I'm like, all right, this is our fourth time at bat. You know, it didn't work with silent treatment. It didn't work with what they do. I'm almost thinking that we might not have a fifth time at bat, and I'm very much certain that this is the song. This is the one that might save us. Okay, quick aside. Yes. How does how does the music for uh, you got me start? Yeah, it starts with me going to Rich Medina, and I believe Bobito had so Philly has a a a, a burgeoning uh, uh kind of. Uh, I'll say poetry scene. And we have these little hip hop shops in Philadelphia. There's a spot called Footwork that Bobito 
and Rich Medina have in Philadelphia. And this is where you can get like T-shirts and records and all that stuff there. But at nighttime, maybe on weekends, they'll have like poetry slams there. There's like New Yorican. I'm, I'm, if you if you Google uh, New Yorican, the roots, New Yorican cafe, whatever, I think you'll see Common, Tariq, me, and James Poyser make up the next movement on the spot at New Yorican cafe up in New York. So the Philly version of it is also bringing out the Philly cats, Trapita Mason, Ursula Rucker, And Jill Scott was one of them Philly poets. And she made one of the most glorious stage entrances I've ever seen in my my life. Where she came, she was one of the people in the audience. And the person was like, okay, so up next we have a a poet from North Philadelphia. Every time I close my eyes. And we're looking like, it's one of them like Malcolm X, like, get your hands out of my pocket. (laughs) Sort of moments like, wait, who's disrupting? And even the woman, the MC of the place is like not knowing what's going on here. And Jill's like coming from the back of the audience singing Jody C's Freaking Freaking You. And she does this like this crazy sex poem about, you know, know, Jill and sex are poetry is very familiar with like her way with words and whatnot. And we just watched this. Like, who the fuck is that? And where can we be down? So instantly, it was a star is born moment. Didn't know that Scott Storch was there. So instantly, Jill and Scott hook up. It's like, let's work on some music together. So Scott has a small room at Sigma. And that's where they will start the origins of You Got Me. And it was sort of like, hey, come by the studio and listen to what we're cooking up. So I go there and track number three. I hear it. Wow, that's something. Instantly, we knew we had something. So we wrote it with the quickness. You got me, it was done. The label was like, all right, we feel it, but who's this? It's like, Jill Scott. Who is Jill Scott? Ah. Uh... It's like, yo, man, it's Jill Scott. She's like, the movement, the future, whatever. She's cool. She can sing. But I mean, did she really take that and make that the title based on literally the label asking? On me? this moment. Wow. Who is Jill Scott? And the label was like, look, let's let's just really get some insurance down. Cause no one knows who Jill Scott is. And she doesn't look like someone that's in the industry, which was actually the selling point of Jill, that she looks like her audience. So it was like. Let's roll with Erica. This shit right here is called You Got Me, you know what I mean? It's on our album, which is called Things Fall Apart. And we got this shit, you know what I mean? And on, on the song, Erica Badu is singing the chorus. This, this real smoothed out melodic shit, but guess what? 
Tonight, I'm, I'm gonna introduce you to the young lady from Philadelphia that actually wrote that piece. You know what I'm saying? Check it out. And, and, and she down with the Roots crew. And she go by the name of Miss Jill Scott. I want y'all to put y'all hands together. Say what? Give it up. Jelly from Philly. Word up. You're not ready. Alright, now for all of y'all out there that know how this song go, I want y'all to sing along with love. You know what I mean? And if you don't know, then just open your minds and your ears and feel this shit. She keep telling me, telling me. If you were worried about where I've been or who I saw or What club I went to with my homies Baby, don't worry, you know that you got me If you were worried about where I've been or who I saw or What club I went to with my homies Check it out. Baby, baby, don't worry, you know right now, Jill's version of it was that she found out about it later, but I know that you have to sign off on this thing before. So I will not discredit Jill's version of it. She says that I found out I was replaced when I heard it on the radio, mm -hmm. which I was like, no, I definitely remember us having the, you know, which one of us is going to tell Jill that, you know, she still got her credit as a songwriter and all that stuff, but... But it, it turns a star-making moment into right. like, oh, I still got to wait. Mm. Right. And we just couldn't take that risk. Right. And it was like, Erica's red hot right now. It made sense. Yeah. It probably would have gone further with Jill, but at that point, safety was the key. And so Erica did it. And even Erica was like, y'all crazy. Homegirl is way better than me at this thing. So this, you know... It took a lot to get to that perfection of of finally, you know. Um, and even in tracking it, Rich says this is my sabotage moment that I had another moment that I had with the spark. Like, it's missing something. And my answer was, well, since Rich said we got to go back to the first 10 years of the group, remember living in London and messing with like Digo and the four hero cats. Like, let me do some drum and bass thing. Just like we, I'm going to introduce drum and bass. And the thing was, is that I was working on Ronnie Size's record. So, right. You're right there in that zone anyway. Right. So instantly, basically, because I was doing all this drum and bass stuff for Ronnie Size anyway, it yet to break out in the States, you know, shit, let's do that here. I wanted it the whole song though. <laughs> okay, okay. And yeah. I'm going, so he had to talk you down off of that one. Yeah, that so that became even though you got me was was early in it. Um, I will say that it was a battle. I mean, I'll say at the end, Jill's version was definitely the better version, mm -hmm. but we had to make a business decision. Now, see, I told you it was a cliffhanger. If you didn't believe me, you should. See y'all next week. Things fall apart. Part three. This is what it happened was.